depression. As it relates to uh, the landscape, a depression is a valley or a gorge, some low place. Uh, as it relates to the economy, a depression is a low place. It's when the economy collapses and you may have something to sell, but nobody's interested or can't buy it. That's a depression. Uh, as it relates to our emotions, depression is a low place. A lot of people think of depression as sad, where I just feel like crying, and that is depression. But did you know there's other manifestations of depression other than just sadness? Sometimes it's anger. It's anger. That's the low place we're at. It's when we lose our vision. We lose our dream. We lose our hope. That's a depression. So I want to talk today about depression from the story of Elijah. Nobody saw the power of God work in their, through them more than Elijah, the great prophet. But we read in Isaiah, or excuse me, in um, 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 3, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Anybody else ever had a prayer like that? That's depression. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Depression. Elijah, the great man of God, suffering depression. Well, if Elijah, the great man of God, can suffer depression, maybe we ought to inform ourselves a little bit about depression because maybe we might have to be facing the same thing sometime. As a matter of fact, maybe you are right now. Maybe a good word for your mood, your attitude is depression. I want to talk about the things that brought this depression on Elijah, and then I want to talk about God's response to that depression and how he brought him out of it, because maybe we need to identify the depression in our own lives, and maybe we need to grab a hold of the peace that God is trying to bring to Elijah so that we can apply it to our lives. So what caused this depression? It's really four things. Uh, in the story, and we don't have the time to read the two chapters that lay out this whole scenario, but I want to bring out some, some basics that I think maybe can relate to us. Here's, here's the first thing that brought him depression, rejection. Nobody likes rejection. Everybody wants to be accepted. Everybody wants to belong. Everybody wants to, to, to feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Everybody does. But he dealt with rejection. You see, the queen, the most powerful lady in the land, had just given orders and said, within 24 hours, you will be dead. And if it's not so, may the Lord do that to me. That's the kind of confidence, the kind of faith that she has. You're going to be dead in 24 hours. And Elijah, who had just seen God do a great breakthrough miracle, runs for his life. Fear has gripped his heart. Rejection. 
It was God who told him to go and make the announcement to the people, because of your rebellion, there is going to come a drought on the earth for three years. Not one drop is going to fall on the earth for a three-year period. It devastated the economy, and they blamed Elijah for it, because he brought the message. So the whole, it's not just the queen has rejected him, it's all the people have rejected him. He feels like he's all alone in the world. Have you ever felt that? Feel like you're all alone. Depression can come from really two different directions. It can come from external things, like just having lost something that's important to you, like Kathy has, losing her husband. Or it can be some kind of an internal thing like a chemical imbalance. Your body's just not functioning like it used to. That can put you into a depression, whether you're a guy or whether you're a gal. Rejection is one of those things because we all long for acceptance. As a matter of fact, if you want to be a part of seeing the kingdom of God grow, learn this, learn this right now. Learn this real early. That everybody needs to feel like they belong. And if you give a newcomer the cold shoulder because you don't know who they are and that's the only reason you don't know who they are so you don't have a chat with them you are not making them feel like they belong this is what you and I this is what we need to do we're the body of Christ we make people feel like they belong and then they'll believe we we do the opposite we want people to believe and then we'll make them belong rejection I gotta move because I got a bunch of these two pages full number two here's the second uh, thing that brought about his depression, it was exhaustion. He just had this great challenge up on Mount Carmel with 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. He just had this great contest where they challenged each other to call down fire from their God from heaven. And the, the false prophets called down fire and nothing happened. Their sacrifice just laid there. Elijah called down fire and fire fell from heaven. Not, not you know, fire burns up. This burned down, came down and consumed what he'd put on the altar yes. and the altar Amen. and the water that he poured on before it. On. Now that is a powerful move of God. Yes. And then he picked up a sword and he went after those 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, killed them all. Now, don't you think Elijah's just a little bit worn out? Did all that in a day. Glorious, glorious breakthrough experience, but he slumps into a depression. Remember what happened to Jesus when he was on this parade going into town and everybody was crowding him because they heard all these miracles he was doing. And there was this woman with an issue of blood. And she says, if I just, if I just come up from behind, if I can just work my way through the crowd and just touch the hem, just the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. So she works her way in there, reaches down, touches it, and immediately Jesus stops. And he said, who touched me? And his disciples said, who touched you? Everybody's touching you. And he says, no, virtue has gone out of me. Something had gone out of him. If you've served God very long, you've had the experience of trying to serve God, and after it was all over with, you felt like you were washed out. Phew, just bushed, ready for a nap. Because when you give of yourself in the Spirit, something drains out of you. It wears you out. This is what happened to Elijah. He was worn out. 
You've experienced that kind of a letdown after a big thing every year, right after Christmas. (laughs) When everybody goes home, you take down the decorations, you sit down and you look at the bills, and you slump into a depression because the excitement's over with. This is what happened to Elijah. Great breakthrough. Exhaustion. Here's the third reason he slumped into this depression. Isolation. He pulled away. He was afraid, so he pulled away from everybody. He went over here till he could find a, a bush to sit under and then a cave to sleep in all by himself. Isolation will put you in a depression because God made us for community. He has wired us to need each other, to relate to each other. We need this this, this connection. He thought he was all alone in the world. Nobody's seen the troubles I've seen. There's nothing new under the sun. A whole lot of other people saw the same kind of troubles he'd seen. It's just now he's at a place where he's depressed. And God's got to lift him up. Some of us in this room have struggled with a bit of depression over the COVID isolation. We want to go and do things. We want to go places. We can't go eat out. We can't do this. We can't do that. There's limitations to us when we do, and there's just a little bit of fear. What about that lady coughing over there? Maybe I should get out of here. Maybe she's got something I don't want to get. And so we've isolated ourselves, and it's probably been a good thing. But you know something? When we have to isolate ourselves from our brothers and sisters in the church, like we had to when we had to shut the services down, we've got to determine we are not victims. When we had to shut our services down, I'm a pastor, I shepherd people, look like a victim situation to me. But when churches all over America were crying out, we're victims, we're victims, we're not going to put up with this. I saw this is the hand of God. Okay, so what are we going to do now? If, this, if, this, if the hand of God okays this, we, have to, we can't meet face to face, what are we going to do? And we had to do something different. I refused to be in isolation. I'm not afraid to wear a mask. I can go out to eat with my wife and I wear a mask going in and I wear a mask going out. I'm not afraid. And I refuse to be a part of passing this around to somebody else. So I want to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Isolation. I'm never going to get through this at this rate. Here's here's the fourth thing. Agitation. Agitation. Let let me read what uh, Elijah says in verses 9 and 10 and see if you don't sense a bit of agitation here. Then he, there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Agitation agitation. He's not at rest. You don't read any peace in that. God wants us to be people of peace. No matter what's happening in the world around us, no matter what kind of chaos, no matter what kind of fears, God's called us to be people of peace. If you've lost your peace, you stepped away from God somewhere along the line. 
Maybe some of us need to shut off Facebook for a while if you lose your peace. Some of us need to shut off the news if you lose your peace. God's called us to peace. I want to be a man of confidence. I believe God is in control of this world. Yeah, but I watched the news last night. It doesn't look like God's in control. I believe God's in control. So there's no fear gripping me. I have confidence. This has to happen. God is doing something to bring something out. There is a stirring that's taken place, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Elijah's on edge. He's angry. The people of Israel, your people have rejected your covenant. Like he's informing God of something God didn't know. God knows that. Why is Elijah so upset? Well, Pastor Deal, I watch the news and I see these, these riots and protests and chaos all over the country. You think God doesn't know it? We have a bunch of people that aren't happy with the way things are. Well, I'm not happy with the way things are. But I'm not going to go out and burn my town down. I'm not going to destroy. I'm going to do everything I can to build up. So it's okay to not be happy with the way things are. The question is, what, how do we respond? What do we do with it? That's the question. And by the way, I am excited about a young generation that is not happy with the way things are. They, had, they see a better, they have a dream. They see something that can be better with our country. They're like I was at that age, young, immature, and stupid. <laughs> I had to learn the hard way. You all had to learn the hard way, didn't you? Yes. It's through our experience. And everybody out there in the world thinking they're going to turn this country upside down has to learn the hard way, but they're going to learn. I'm excited about young people who don't just sit by and take it. They want to make a difference. I think that's the, that's, that's the good side of America. I'll never get through this. Those are the four reasons people get depressed. Now, let me give you the six responses that Jesus gives to him. Lord, help me. Number one, recuperation. If you feel depressed, you need some recuperation. That means get away. Take a break. Take a vacation. Shut off your TV for a while. Go to the library and get an old-fashioned book. Let your imagination Tell the story. First Kings chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. It says, Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over the coals, baked over hot coals, and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. Sometimes when you're depressed, one of the best things to do is lay down and take a nap. Take a break. Shut off the information flowing into your brain that's causing you all this disrest, unrest, causing you the agitation, causing you to feel isolated. He fell asleep. Then he ate and fell asleep again. Two naps in one day. That doesn't happen very often with me. 
But sometimes recuperation, we need to give ourselves time to recoup, to get our strength back. Take a nap. Catch your breath. God designed sleep to refresh us. It's not a waste of time. Have you ever felt like sleeping is just a waste of time? I have so much to do. If you don't get a good night's sleep, you're not going to get much done the next day. You make mistakes all along the way. You get frustrated with yourself. Sleeping maximizes your time. It refreshes your brain so that it works. Here's the second thing. The angel touched him. That's stimulation. If you're taking notes, the word is stimulation. The angel touched him. Now, it doesn't say the angel struck him like that angel that visited Peter. and just touched him. He was asleep. We need touch. We're human beings. Human beings need a hug. They need a pat on the back. They need somebody to shake their hand or hold their hand. We're humans. But for this year, we're on pause. (laughs) Be careful who you touch. Be careful how you touch. Because we never want to invade someone else's boundaries. Plus, we live in a perverted world. And people are saying, don't touch me. Don't touch me. With reason. We need to respect other people's boundaries with the touch thing. But we need to touch. Everybody needs touched. Did you know statistics tell us that men who are married live longer than men who are single? You know why? Because men who are married get touched. Men need touch. It's healing. It's restoration. It's comforting. We need our touch. It's the way God made us. Here's number three. Nutrition. He got up and ate. Nothing spiritual about that. God knew that if he's going to be able to get out of this depression, he needs to eat. We all like to eat, don't we? And there's something strange in our psyche that when we get depressed, we want to eat. Except we don't think about what we're eating. We're going to go raid the fridge, eat that bag of chips, whole pack of Oreos. That's why we call it comfort food. When we're depressed, sometimes we just isolate. But there's nothing better than just sitting down with people you love and care about and having a meal with them. It stabilizes our emotional well-being to get that food in our system. Here's number four. It's perception. 1 Kings 19 verse 9 says, There he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Down in verse 13 It says, then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Twice God asked him the question while he's hiding in this dark, dingy, lonely, isolated cave. What are you doing here? Aren't you my prophet? 
aren't you my messenger? Aren't you my servant? And you're hiding out here because it's safe hiding out in the cave? How are you going to be my prophet hiding out in the cave where nobody can hear what you have to say? It's the perception. Elijah thought he was the last faithful servant left on the earth. That was his perception. I'm the only one left. God says, I still have 7,000 faithfuls. You're just one of 7,000. You thought you were such a big shot, holy man. 7,000 other people just like you. It's perception. Elijah looked at his circumstances and saw himself as a failure, saw himself as a has-been, saw himself as someone that God couldn't use anymore. That was his perception. God saw him as the victor. Will you get out of that hole in the ground so that I can use you? And maybe he's saying that to some of us here this morning. Will you get out of your hiding place? Will you get out of this hole in the ground? Will you get out of this, what you perceive to be a safe place? Will you get out of there so I can use you? I put my Holy Spirit inside of you so that you can be a a spokesman for me. Perception. Here's number five. Anticipation. Elijah, you got to get some anticipation in you. You know what anticipation is? That's hope. Yes. Anticipation is hope. In 1 Kings 19, verses 15 and 16, it says, The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, king of Nimshi, over all Israel and anoint Elisha son of Shapheth of Abel Maholeth to succeed you as a prophet you're not done yet get out of that hole in the ground he says to Elijah I have something for you to do I have something for you to accomplish go over there and anoint these people go back where you came retrace your steps sometimes it's good for us to look where we came from And then go back there. Because that track is where God dwells. That track is where you met the Lord. That track is where his favor has manifested itself in your life. Go back down that track. And anoint people for the next generation. The next generation. Anticipation. Get some hope up, Elijah. Get your eyes up off the ground. Get your eyes on the future. Get your eyes on Jesus and what he wants to do in the future. Lay the groundwork for your future, for the future of Israel. Elijah, your mission may end, but your calling doesn't. My calling is to take the deep things of God and make them so simple a child can understand them. That's what I believe God's called me to do. My mission is to be the pastor at New Hope Christian Center. There may be a time when my mission is completed, but I will never outlive my calling. And I say that, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about you. God's not done with you yet, Elijah. Shift gears. Shift gears. You've been the prophet. 
Now I want you to go out and anoint a couple people that will be prophets after you're gone. Look to the future. Look to the future. I think I'm going to get it. I got one left in three minutes. Number six, association. Association. First Kings 19, uh, first part of verse 19 says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. And verse, the last part of verse 21 says, then he, then he, Elisha, set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. Association. We call that mentoring. To mentor someone is when you make someone your apprentice. It's when you sit down with somebody and you teach them things you've learned that they haven't learned yet. You coach them. You guide them. That's what a mentor is. And God told Elijah to be a mentor to Elisha. This is so cool. Because in this room we have a lot of older folks. And your job is not done yet. Your job is to mentor the younger generation. And I'll tell you something. There's a younger generation who wants your mentoring. Don't think they think you're an old fogey. They want your wisdom. You learned a few things the hard way. They don't want to have to learn them that way. They'd like to learn them the easy way. If you'd sit down and give them some coaching, some guidance, that will help them. Does that mean I still have four minutes left? I thought I was done. New relationship. New relationship. Maybe God wants us to form new relationships. If you're, in, if you're depressed, if you feel like you don't have a purpose, if you just feel down all the time, maybe you need to form some new relationships. Every one of us need to have somebody that mentors us. And we all need to have someone that we mentor. But a lot of people think, well, I don't, I don't know enough to mentor somebody. Sure you do. Sure you do. You know the difference between a Phillips screwdriver and a regular screwdriver? Well, some kids don't. Mentoring is explaining the difference. You can mentor someone on a computer. You can mentor someone on their phone. Younger people. I'm talking about younger people mentoring older people. Yeah. <laughs> on the phone, how the phone works. <laughs> mentoring is just coaching someone else helping someone else's life be better. Lord, lift our depression. Give us a hope. Make us positive, we pray in Jesus' name.